those rich people always flying off somewhere. Hey everyone, it's Maxi. Welcome to the Vegan Vanguard. Today we have a special guest on the show, Maria the Witch, who has an amazing channel, which you should all check out. And we're going to be talking about Bolsonaro in Brazil. Oof, yeah, the fash are taking over the world, unfortunately, at this critical moment in the end of days. So we're going to be taking a closer look at that. What's been going on there? What's the state of the left? Uh, what's it like? What's it like to be there during uh, Bolsonaro's reign? But first, I'm going to read out some future headlines, like I promised to do at the start of every episode in this new year. This new year where we orient our energies to building what we want (laughs) instead of focusing on everything that we don't want. Although, you know, granted the rest of this, the rest of this episode is going to be about what we do not want. We do not want figures like Bolsonaro. That's for damn sure. However, we're going to start with some positivity from Mary, who is a dear friend and just an amazing person. Thank you so much, Mary. So here we go. Number one, more than 80% of countries now have female identifying leaders while war and conflicts around the world drop to less than 2%. Direct correlation, (laughs) direct correlation found between these new statistics. (laughs) Awesome. I mean, of course, we know there are certainly female leaders who can and do uphold the patriarchy and uphold hierarchical capitalism. However, I I do enjoy, I love this. I enjoy this, this headline. Uh, number two, petroleum has become obsolete. All energy now comes from renewable resources. Beautiful. Homelessness is a thing of the past. Citizens around the world agree housing is a fundamental human right. Yes, girl. So actually, uh, myself and Ollie from Philosophy Tube recently made a video about about this, about the housing crisis and how to defeat it, and just did a live stream on that. So check that out if you're interested. Shameless plug. Okay, the next headline. Oh my. (laughs) Mommy, what does rape mean? Explaining the horrors of sexual assault to the next generation who can't understand how it ever happened. Wow. Beautiful. Um, She says, note, is this one clear? I'm trying to express that sexual assault no longer exists in society. Yes, very clear. And I love that. I love thinking about the next generation who cannot understand how any of this ever happened. That beautiful, beautiful to think about. No one goes hungry. How the vegan diet saved the planet, the animals, and the starving populations around the world. Also beautiful, although clearly this would have to be an a post-capitalist future because vegan diet under capitalism will not end hunger. We need to, we need to end capitalism to end hunger. Um, but definitely there's no way we can continue our, you know, industrialized industrialized agriculture system into the future and that means that we would not be able to sustainably uh you know provide meat to people on the planet and you know the ethical the ethical side of it doesn't really align with 
with um, desire for liberation and emancipation and, you know, love for all. Um, animals granted basic human rights can no longer be owned or killed without consequences. Beautiful. Last zoo on the planet closed today and will be turned into a national reserve. Once again, wonderful. No one gets to be a millionaire. Redistribution of wealth now mandatory. Salaries cannot exceed $100,000 per year. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. For the first time in history, every human on earth is entitled to life-saving universal health care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oceans and air clean as it has been in the last 500 years. What problems can we solve next? Thank you so much, Mary, for that shot of incredible positivity. I have many more to read here, but we will we will get to them. We will get to them. <laughs> um, so if you are inspired to do this kind of exercise of dreaming the future, dreaming the future that you'd like to see, um, please send me your headlines and I will read them on air. And before we get into the interview, I just want to shout out the new Patreon pledges. So thank you so much to Daniel Lukes, Roberto Kingsley, Nate B, Comrade Caro, Lane, Hayden Wiseman, and Ben S. If you would like to support the show and you have a few dollars you could spare every month, you can sign up to be a monthly patron on patreon.com slash vegan vanguard, or you can toss us a one-time donation via PayPal on our website, veganvanguardpodcast.com, or share our episodes with friends and family and leave us a rating and review on iTunes to increase our reach. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. So today I am very happy to have Maria the Witch on the show. I've been a big fan of her channel for quite some time now, and she has some great, great stuff about Bolsonaro, obviously. Um, this is why we invited her on the show to talk about this today. So uh, Maria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi, thanks for having me on. Wonderful. Okay, so yeah, I guess let's just dig into dig into the big hot mess that is Bolsonaro. Um, so my first question is basically, how did we get here? Could you explain what Bolsonaro was campaigning for and give us an idea of why so many people were so enthused by it? Uh, right. So Brazil had been ruled by PT, which is the Workers' Party, for 13 years. But you know, they were basically sock dems. Some people even get mad when I when I call them sock dems. They say they were neoliberals. Mm. Um, so they had a lot of problems. They were involved in corruption scandals. Um, basically, they didn't deliver on everything they promised. So a lot of people were very disillusioned with that. Mm -hmm. um, and then along came Bolsonaro presenting himself as an anti-corruption strongman and someone who is going to fix the public security problem by arming the population and making the police even more brutal than it already is. <laughs> um, but the, the punitive justice mentality here is very prevalent. People believe that a good criminal is a dead criminal. Wow. Um, 
that worked out and you know he managed to also harness the anti-PT sentiment that the media had been cultivating for years uh, he managed to harness that over to you know help his campaign because you know anything is better than PT mm-hmm. um, and then to avoid splitting the right-wing vote he also made a big deal of having a neoliberal minister for economy uh, his name is Paulo Guedes, and he's a popular neoliberal free market guy. So Bolsonaro seduced both the conservative and the liberal slash libertarian right. Mm, man, I think that that kind of trope or, you know, that tendency for uh, labor parties or worker parties to migrate to the middle and then lose everyone is incredibly prevalent around the world. I mean, I know, you know, in uh, the UK, in Canada, same thing. I mean, our quote unquote workers party, the NDP, is very often to the right of the liberals on so many things. And then they just, they just lose everyone that could possibly vote for them. And it ends up turning to the right. So yeah, very disappointing, obviously. Um, yeah, though, um, even though PT definitely had their own uh, failures, uh, another thing that helped a lot uh, to help Bolsonaro win was that he got uh, PT's leader, Lula, arrested just uh, before the election, as I'm sure you've heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's, I can't quite understand it, to be honest, uh, because even one month prior to the election, Lula was still leading the polls. Um, and then he got arrested and then that changed and everyone voted for Bolsonaro instead. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, it is possible that people who are going to vote for Lula changed their mind and voted for Bolsonaro because people don't see things ideologically. They just go with whatever populism seems best at the time. Mm-hmm. But another big thing that happened was that a lot of people didn't vote altogether. I mean, voting is mandatory, but you can not vote for anyone. You know, there's a button for that. Mm. Um, And the rate of null and blank votes, is how we call them here, uh, was the highest since 1989, going over 30%. So a lot of people who were going to vote for Lula didn't vote at all, and that helped Bolsonaro win as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point about, like, ideology and uh, people who don't if you don't have any guiding ideology or guiding framework then it is very easy to be swayed by these kinds of you know random populist ideas you know thinking about what happened in the United States a lot of people voting for Trump because they thought that he was going to somehow bring back jobs or somehow you know protect the American working class like absolutely not mm-hmm. <laughs> um and if you don't have any if you don't have any really if you don't have any real sense of the different ideologies, like different political ideologies, then it's, I guess it's easy to just vote for the right and think that that's going to be, that's going to be something. But, but yeah, I mean, I guess the not voting is also a a huge problem. Um, So what kind of demographics did he capture mainly? Well, it was mainly rich, white, Christian men, you know, the traditional people you'd expect to vote for him. Mm -hmm. Um, Among other demographics, the gap between him and Adaj was smaller, or he didn't even win among those demographics. But I assume that, you know, those rich white men would always have voted for the right. And then what Mm -hmm. made it 
different was that he did manage to seduce a good chunk of the minority population or the poorer population who, you know, even though he kept saying these racist, sexist, homophobic things, like unironically, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people were just trusting him to end corruption and, you know, fix the, the security thing, like I said. So they didn't really see it, uh, see him for what he really was, even when that was right in their faces. Mm-hmm. And like, what else was he throwing out to, you know, minority demographics or, uh, you know, poor demographics? Um, I guess the, the security thing is a really, really big thing. Like, I cannot stress that enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess people just don't like to be seen as the victim, you know, as we, we know that people don't like, you know, seeing themselves as a minority. So mm-hmm. I guess that's why they ignored uh, all of his bigoted rhetoric and just mm-hmm. focused on, you know, he's going to fix Brazil because he's going to get PT out of there. And, you know, he's going to prevent Brazil becoming a communist dictatorship like Venezuela. <laughs> so those were the things that really mattered. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had also heard that he was uh, gaining ground, I guess, by saying to, you know, rural populations that, you know, oh, don't worry, we're going to take away all the regulations on the Amazon so that you can go in there and build and make your livelihoods. Oh, yeah. Uh, His minister for um, agriculture said that, um, you know, like family agriculture and big agribusiness are the same thing. So she's like mm-hmm. defending the interests of both at the same time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard to to be, I don't know, yeah, cognizant of what's going on and then take a look and just watch things kind of unfold in slow motion. I just feel like that all the time, whenever there's an election cycle and things are kind of going this way and there's so many contradictions, it's just like I'm watching a train wreck happen so slowly and I can't stop it. But um, but yeah, anyway, so uh, about his rhetoric, you said that he was saying, you know, blatantly racist and homophobic things, just completely unironically. I was wondering your thoughts on... Uh, whether you actually see him as the quote-unquote Trump of the tropics or whether you think he's he's worse than that. Yeah, um, I've heard a lot of people say that he's what Trump's wishes he could be. Uh. Um, so while Trump has to dog whistle because the US um, has institutions and a population that at least pretend they are democratic, uh, here Bolsonaro can outright say that gay people need a good beating, that black people are lazy bums, uh, that he wants to bring back the dictatorship and that he supports torture. He can say all that explicitly and still win an election. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, it baffles me that he was even allowed to run saying stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brett from Rev Left Radio um, compared him actually to a combination of Pinochet and Duterte because of, uh, you know, his rhetoric against leftists and, you know, what he wants to eradicate the leftists. And then also the security thing that you've been talking about, like uh, a good way to deal with criminals is just to kill them is really uh, reminiscent of Duterte. I was wondering what you what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, and the, the drug war thing as well. Because um, one thing that Bolsonaro wants to do is to you know, do the whole war on drugs thing in favelas or slums. And he wants to do that by giving the police carte blanche to kill anyone that they think looks like a criminal, which, you know, to Bolsonaro and the police, that's probably anyone who even lives in a slum. 
So, wow. Wow. That is absolutely horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. Yeah. So I would say that that comparison is probably pretty apt <laughs> being a Pinochet <laughs> yeah. Um So what did Haddad campaign on and why do you think his campaign didn't capture the imagination of enough voters? Right. So pretty much the only thing he tried to have going for him was that he's a university professor and he used to be Minister for Education. So he would promote the stuff he accomplished in that field, like Braunian Fies, which were scholarship and student loan programs for low-income students. But mostly his campaign was a mess Mm -hmm. because at first they were associating him with Lula since Lula had been leading the polls and Adaj was much lesser known. But when Lula was convicted and arrested, they changed strategy and stopped using Lula's name and face on campaign material, which they had before. Um, And that made people insecure. Like, why are they changing? Why can't they decide if Lula is good or not, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And at that point, a lot of the the campaign became about just not letting Bolsonaro win. So they kept saying uh, stuff like more education, less guns, uh, dictatorship, never again. A big thing that PT said and that we would tell people on the streets when we were campaigning as well was that even if you didn't like Haddad or PT, you should vote for them because they will let you criticize him while Bolsonaro had proposals of outlawing protests. Wow. Um, But because people's perception of the dictatorship is so distorted, nobody actually was scared of that or nobody thought that was actually going to happen again. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were scared of a communist dictatorship at the hands of BT. Um, And and who can blame Adaj for losing when he was running against an illegally funded Red Scare fake news campaign advised by Steve Bannon himself? Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, so just for people who don't, who maybe don't know, could you explain um, like why Lula was arrested? Uh, right. So basically every single politician in Brazil has been involved in a corruption scandal at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very systemic problem, but the media, the, you know, the bourgeois liberal media loves to make it out to be like PT, uh, the only ones or the worst ones. And so they, they keep, for years, they keep uh, saying that Lula is corrupt, that the PT is corrupt. And, you know, while everyone from different parties was being investigated by other people who were corrupt themselves, uh, mm-hmm. Lula was, you know, the, not the only one, but, you know, was one of the main few ones that was arrested um, right before the election. So it's like, it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter whether he had done something or not. What matters is that this was clearly politically motivated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, yeah, I can see that combined with this incredible red scare, yeah, fake news uh, campaign. I mean, the red scare is just so prevalent. <laughs> I mean, even today, right? It's just, it just doesn't seem to go away. And I, I don't know. I don't know what we can do about that. You know, I know Bad Mo's made a video about how we should reclaim, you know, we should use the word communist and reclaim that. But um, yeah, people, I mean, people are so much more scared of communism or just the idea of communism than obviously a horrible fascist dictatorship. Like it's, it baffles me, but yeah. anyway, um, 
So you've shared several videos of mobilizations against Bolsonaro during his campaign from students, women, etc. And the end result was about 55% to 45% uh, Bolsonaro versus Haddad. So uh, a pretty big split in the population, I would say. Um, so I was wondering if you could share a bit more about what it was like being in Brazil leading up to and during the election and how people around you were reacting. What was it like in the streets, etc.? Uh, yeah, so at first, uh, after Lula was arrested, it was a much larger uh, difference between the two of them. I think the first polls had like a 40-60 split, mm-hmm. and we were kind of feeling like we'd already lost. But mm-hmm. on the final weeks before the election, uh, the polls started to slowly change, and then we felt very motivated and hopeful and campaigned even harder. Mm-hmm. Now that we thought there was a chance it would work, uh, maybe we should have done that from the start, but that doesn't really matter now. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, uh, they were always acting smug, like Bolsonaro had already won, telling us to cry more, which is a very popular phrase they like to say to leftists and progressives in general, like, cry more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think in the final days, they did get scared as they did desperate things like accuse Adad of raping an underage girl. And the Whoa. girl was a TV actress. So she immediately said that it wasn't true. Like, how <laughs> did they think that was going to work? <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, so what about, you know, when he was actually elected? Like, what was it like being there at that time? Um, I mean, at the exact moment that, you know, they were counting the votes on TV and they mm-hmm. said, you know, Bolsonaro won, I was like quite sad and stressed out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember I did a live stream where I was like very, very stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess after that, you know, at the time and like right after, a lot of leftist activists or like almost leftist activists um, such as the Democratic Socialists of Seoul, which is another party, um, they were, you know, trying to get people to not get desperate and saying, like, we're all together, we're not going to abandon each other and we're going to keep resisting. So I think that was a, a good help right after he won. I think there was a demonstration. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, like, very, you know, kind of comforting, really, and gave us... Um, motivation to keep you know to not feel like we we've been defeated forever and like we can't do anything anymore Mm -hmm. yeah that's definitely really important and yeah I guess also keeping in mind that so many people didn't vote so it's not necessarily that you know everyone around you is pro Bolsonaro um it's that people were probably just very disillusioned and now the whole country is in state oh, yeah that was that was a big thing they said as well um i remember when bolos his the leader of so uh, the party i just mentioned uh mm-hmm. he gave a talk at my uni um and it was still during the campaign but he said there was a banner saying like people aren't uh people aren't evil they're just lost mm-hmm. uh, that was a big thing like bolsonaro does have uh his fascist fans but a lot of people who supported him don't actually support what he stands for and they were just like mm-hmm. um you know it, it um what's the word like mystified by his rhetoric and stuff like that so you have to yeah. show that, that he's a fraud yeah definitely i mean yeah i mean this is not the same at all because doug ford in ontario is not the same as bolsonaro but uh yeah a lot of people were really pissed off when he was elected as well he's kind of like you know a mini trump or he wants to be trump or whatever but yeah that's similar 
similar things people were saying were just like, you know, a lot of people did not vote. A lot of people are disillusioned. Like most people actually do not support what he's pushing around you. So like, you don't have to feel like you're, you're just so small and you're a tiny group and it's hopeless and whatever. So yeah, I think that's a good thing to keep in mind, uh, through, through all of this stuff. So what has he managed to do so far in terms of policy implementation and what is most worrying to you? Uh, he's abolished the Ministry of Labour. He didn't increase the minimum wage as much as he was meant to. He left LGBT policies out of the Human Rights Ministry agenda. He mm-hmm. put an agribusiness lobbyist in charge of the Amazon, <laughs> uh, which I guess we can talk more about later on. Mm-hmm. And just now, the latest thing he did was sign a decree uh, relaxing gun legislation. I mean, all of it is terrible. I, I don't think I can pick just one. It's very worrying. <laughs> I mean, how does that even work abolishing the Ministry of Labor? Like, well, he could, you know, do whatever he wanted with the ministries and appoint whatever ministers he wanted. Mm-hmm. So he just didn't want to have the Ministry of Labor anymore. Um, he put the some of the functions that were, you know, of that ministry, he put them under the Ministry of Economy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that got actually some lawyers try to you know, like not let him do that uh, because they said it was a conflict of interest between labor and capital, which, you know, it obviously is putting stuff, the putting labor stuff under the Ministry of Economy, which is uh, headed by a neoliberal, no less. Yeah. Uh, but that they didn't manage to stop him and he did that. Oh, man. Um, I mean, are people pissed? Like, are, is there demonstrations against all of these things? Or are people just kind of like, oh, defeated, you know, like, this is just, this is just happening? Uh, right now, there are demonstrations because of the bus uh, tariff increases, mm. which I don't know if you know, in 2013, uh, there were very big demonstrations about that, because they were raising the bus fare back then. And now they want to raise it even more. Um, so people always kind of use the, the bus fare increase as, um, you know, like the price of bread in the French Revolution, where they just like mm-hmm. protest some small thing, but it's really about all the bad stuff that's going on. So mm-hmm. we've been having these riots like just now, like just this past week, there's going to be another one next week. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, that's really good. Um, in terms of uh, leaving LGBTQ rights out of uh, the, what did you say? The human rights agenda. Yeah. Agenda. Yeah. Um, like have there been, you know, real ramifications for the LGBT community already? I mean, are are things like much more unsafe for them now? Like, yeah. Uh, during the, the campaign, um, you know, people in general, LGBT people in general were feeling unsafe because of all the threatening rhetoric going around Mm -hmm. but also like a a travesty which is a third gender uh, person was stabbed to death um, Mm -hmm. by a Bolsonaro supporter now we had an LGBT federal deputy who was also like a democratic socialist and an activist for LGBT causes Uh, he just left the country because he couldn't deal with all the death threats that he'd been receiving wow yeah Oh my God. 
I would say most of those are extremely worrying. Um, so very worrying to me is the Amazon. What's going on with the Amazon? So I guess that's my question right now: is what's he what's he managed to do so far in terms of uh, you know conservation policy and development policy in the Amazon? Yeah, so he's appointed Teresa Cristina, who is an agribusiness lobbyist uh, for Minister for Agriculture. And that's bad enough having a lobbyist like that in charge of something. But mm-hmm. even worse is that he assigned to the Ministry of Agriculture under this woman the function of demarcating indigenous reserves and Kilombola territory, which is land occupied by communities of slave descendants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another person he made responsible for Indigenous affairs is Damaris Alves, who is also um, Minister for uh, Women, the Family and Human Rights. And she's, you know, outright, outright transphobic and like a Christian transphobe. And she's wow. also in charge of Indigenous affairs. Uh, so she used to have a religious NGO, which was twice investigated for mistreating Indigenous people. hmm then um, he's also promised, this is not in the Amazon, but it, well, it could be. He's also promised to make it easier for mining companies to work in new areas, including the Amazon. And right now we're seeing just how dangerous that is because there was just a huge environmental tragedy, a huge dam collapse caused by the negligence of a mining company in the southeast of Brazil in a town called Rumajinho in the state of Minas Gerais, which left 40 people dead. 300 people missing and many more homeless. And very interestingly, Bolsonaro's minister for the environment was being investigated for bias in favor of a mining company when demarcating preservation areas. Mm. Mm, Yeah, this, yeah, (laughs) all of that is just absolutely horrifying. Um, It really, really scares me what could happen in the next several years in the Amazon, um, you know, for indigenous people there, et cetera. I know a lot, or I was reading about, you know, indigenous resistance, um, you know, really ramping up there as well, but, uh, yeah, just, just horrifying, especially in this time of, you know, the IPCC report coming out and the Amazon being such an important place like such an important carbon sink such an important place of biodiversity etc and just yeah <laughs> just also just um, to say very important he wants brazil to leave the paris agreement too mm, yes of course <laughs> of course yeah of course you would right <laughs> of course of course um yeah following trump but also following just just the way that the world seems to be going as the contradictions of capitalism come to a head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in terms of, I, I had this original question down, I was going to ask you, how do you think his presidency will impact geopolitics in Southern America, like in Venezuela, Bolivia? Uh, I wrote that question before this, you know, UF, US-backed soft coup in Venezuela started to unfold. Um, So I suppose now, what role do you see Brazil playing in this, in this regime change uh, attempt in Venezuela? And I suppose still, how do you think this will affect geopolitics in the region? Right. So foreign policy wise, Bolsonaro likes to say that his government has no ideological bias, by which he means it has a very strong ideological bias against the left. Mm -hmm. 
demonstrated that right in his inauguration ceremony when he uninvited Cuba and Venezuela representatives from attending. They had been invited before, but then he went and uninvited them. Mm. Um, and recently, a lot of his fans got pissed because members of his party went on a trip to quote unquote communist China. And Bolsonaro said he didn't even know about that. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> Um, but anyway, all I've seen said about Bolivia uh, was that Evo Morales is willing to keep friendly relations with Bolsonaro, and I suppose that will be reciprocated as long as it's profitable, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as for Venezuela, uh, Bolsonaro recognized Guaido as the president, but he has said Brazil won't take part in an eventual military intervention because we have non-interventionist principles. So his administration stated that, uh, that Brazil would offer political and economic help for the transition process so democracy and social peace could return to Venezuela. Wow. So if we don't actually invade Venezuela, uh, Bolsonaro is definitely willing to do whatever the U.S. wants, as he also demonstrated in his campaign by saluting the U.S. flag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's interesting that he's like, you know, we won't invade militarily also of course interesting that this is all about democracy and restoring democracy etc but yeah i was just floored when i when i saw this all happening and um to me it's it's really also a way of kind of drawing lines in the sand of you know which side are you on because it's like russia china syria iran etc venezuela on one side and then you know the U.S., et cetera, on, on the other side. And I know that, you know, there's Bolivia, Mexico, et cetera, others are also, um, you know, in support of Venezuela and not really, it's not really being divided that way, but it just seems like such a, such a calculated and, you know, brilliant ploy to... Yeah, it's kind of like a code war thing, right? Yeah. But it's, it just seems like such a, yeah, such a brilliant way to, to aggravate or to solidify the the lines between the the good guys and the bad guys and really create this new axis of evil or troika of tyranny or whatever you want to call it yeah. um, but uh but yeah anyway so I also wanted to ask about the state of the left there right now, because I know a lot of people are going underground and that there has been a threat of violence, you know, much like the kind of Pinochet era stuff. Um, so I was wondering how how urgent do you feel the threat of violence is? Um, and are you perhaps worried yourself being on the left and being there? Um, yeah, so I'm not the best person to answer that because I live in a wealthy area and I never even leave the house. Mm. So in my personal life, it doesn't really feel like much has changed. Mm-hmm. But I know it's not like that for many other people. Um, I mean, recently I saw a lesbian on Twitter fundraising to leave the country because she had been threatened with corrective rape. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the LGBT federal deputy had to leave the country because of death threats. Um, he was also from the same party as Marielle Franco, who was another politician who was a black lesbian activist who was murdered this year. Mm-hmm. And investigations on that are now seem to be pointing to Bolsonaro's people being involved in that, mm-hmm. in her assassination. Um, for indigenous people, the threat of violence is as real as it's always been, as ranchers are always attacking them, destroying their communities. And that's certainly not about to get any better under Bolsonaro. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, uh, everyone is worried now that he's just signed a decree making gun ownership easier, and he probably has plans to make it easier to, you know, be allowed to carry guns outside too. Mm-hmm. But well, we're still organizing the protests, even with the police brutality there's been in these, um, the ones we had this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still doing that. And Guilherme Bowles, uh, the guy I mentioned, was also very active in this. So, yeah, things are quite tough, but we're still fighting. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to hear that, you know, everyone's still still fighting. Um, yeah, I was just wondering uh, how difficult that was, or do you project it will get more difficult or... Well, yeah, I don't know, because I do know that there is, um, you know, during the campaign, he kept saying that he would ban all the Reds from Brazil, that he would shoot yeah. all the PT people. Yeah. Um, so, like, even if he doesn't officially do anything like that, like, institutionalizes that, um, with all of his supporters being able to buy guns, being able to carry guns. I really don't know how that's going to pan out. We're going to have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a, a project of a law uh, that hasn't been approved yet. I don't know if you know it's going to be approved anytime soon, but there is a project of a law that aims to classify communism as like terrorism mm-hmm. uh, because it includes in the anti-terrorism law, like the things that you can't say, the violent things you can't say is like hate speech, blah, blah, blah. And uh, like inciting class warfare. Wow. You can't say hate speech, but Bolsonaro can say all of what he says? Well, yeah, that's why I said. Like, it baffles me that he was allowed to run. I remember, um, I think it was right before the election, um, some woman from, like, the electoral uh, court was on TV saying, like, oh, yeah, uh, elections are a party of democracy, you know, tolerance, respecting people's opinions, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, how the fuck did you let this guy run? And now you want to talk about respecting people's opinions about tolerance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely unbelievable. It's like, what, what (laughs) you can't, you can't incite class warfare, but you can be openly pretty fascist. That's okay. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) So yeah, the last question is what can we do? How do we fight this? And especially for people outside of Brazil, what can we do for comrades who are there? Uh, whenever people ask me this, I've been saying that just spreading the words help and mm-hmm. helps. And for some reason, that always seemed a bit silly to me. But now, as I made my last video and found out about the global network of right wing think tanks and online propaganda, I feel very validated that and saying that having leftist presence online and spreading information with a leftist perspective uh, is actually important i mean it's difficult even for me even for people here to keep track of what he's been doing because he goes back and forth on stuff all the time uh like one day he says he wants a u.s military base here and the next day he says he doesn't want that anymore uh one day he says he's going to change textbook regulations uh then on the same day he says he doesn't want to do that anymore so it's kind of like trump in that you don't know if he's doing that on purpose to disorient people uh, playing 4d chess or if he's just that incompetent Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I, I think everyone should try their best to follow the news and stuff and like spread the news that they do receive as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because just letting people know that the left exists and that the right-wing narrative isn't the only one isn't the absolute truth Mm -hmm. uh it, it does help i mean rosa luxembourg said herself that it is a revolutionary thing to do to say loudly what is happening Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it might not seem like a lot, but having leftists talk about Brazil online would legit be a great help. Um, and it's something that you can do even if you're not um, anywhere near Brazil or even if you can't help financially, just like talking about it and making the left known and letting people know that we know what's going on. Uh, that really helps. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, that's why I think your channel is so incredibly important. I love all the videos you're making about Bolsonaro. And, and I always was just like, wow, this is so brave because you're there. And I really felt like you're putting yourself in danger in, you know, in a, in a sense to get this word out. But, uh, but that's amazing. Obviously, yeah, we need to have these talking points out there. We need to have everyone know that the rights talking points are absolutely ridiculous and horrifying, actually. So you mentioned financial support. Is there any way that people can do that uh, that you would recommend if they are able to? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the name of any specific organization. Maybe oh, okay. I'll, I'll compile a list and like tweet that out. That'd be good. Okay. Um, but then there's like organizations that you could find or you can also support individual people. Like I said, for example, there was this lesbian uh, crowdfunding on Twitter because she wants to leave the country because she doesn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's all sorts of stuff like that going on. Okay. Yeah. So maybe we can compile some of that and put it in the show notes of this podcast so people can check that out. Um, Yeah. So that's all the questions I had. So um, do you have anything to add or I guess you, would you like to shout out where people can find you and your work? Um, Right. Yeah. I guess I said everything I had to say. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, Yeah. So find me on YouTube. My channel is called Maria the Witch. I've been posting a lot about what's going on in Brazil and Bolsonaro, and I intend to do more of that next week. I probably have a video coming out about the bus price riots going on. Mm, Um, And on Twitter as well, at Maria underscore the witch to follow, you know, even more news because it, it all comes out so fast. So sometimes I don't have time to make videos about everything it's quite overwhelming so I try to post stuff on Twitter as much as I can Mm -hmm. great okay awesome well thank you so much for coming on today and uh, yeah thanks again for having me on